are we feeling about our study? Are we enjoying ourselves? Those who are doing it, never alone. I, I haven't heard anyone else say this, and I might be the first, but um, considering the title, uh, Never Alone, does anyone else find that particularly terrifying? To never be alone. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put negative overtones or colour it in any way, but I guess with my own temperament, I think I find that um, a bit of a challenge. Um, even, even to be honest, the, um, the first heading, the first week, uh, it's all about relationship. I remember when, when Brad sort of floated the idea that that was going to be, you know, like the mainstay. I, I remember thinking, yeah, I understand technically that's, you know, you would say that it's all about relationship, but is there a small part that doesn't have to be, you know, could it be a little bit about, you know, what I could do, you know, really well to receive some sort of accolade or... Um, you know, find some sort of worth in, in something that I can bring or offer. And I think, um, I think that's what's been scary about the whole thing, you know, because it's all about relationship. And, like, that is true. It's just my temperament is not, you know, historically all about relationship. I look at someone like Curtis and I think, yeah, that guy's all about relationship. But um, the truth is that I am desperate to be loved, like I'm thirsty to be loved. We all are. We're all the same. And love is relational, and so therefore, you know, I I need relationship, and in fact, uh, it's in my best interests that I am never alone. It's what feeds my soul. Love is not something that can be um, appreciated alone, and without um, without love, I experience the consequence of aloneness. Um, I just want to start by reading John seven thirty seven to thirty eight, and I really loved Ali. What you were? Where's Ali? Hi. <laughs> I really love what you were sharing, like just about, um, especially when you were talking about, you know, like I am the one in need, like, you know, I need so much from God and he is these things and I so desperately need them. Um, I think that's true of us all. I think that that really fits with where we're going um, this afternoon. This afternoon, not this morning. This afternoon, yes. One to James. All right. Um, And it says, Now on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in and relies on me, as the the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. And that one is actually in the book, um, in our study that we're doing in Never Alone. But I think I read that and I think the obvious thing that jumps out to me is that uh, in this relationship I first receive, and, and Jesus says that our role in this relationship is to come to him and to drink. And I think, I think that flies in the face of the way that the world promotes relationship. I think um, if you think of the way that the, the world um, sends you a message about who you are in relationship, it is that, you know, we, we're loved when we have something to offer you know, when we have something to bring, the people that uh, are good at something or who, who have mastered a skill or, um, you know, who we relate to because of the things that we agree on in some way, they're the, they're the people that hold value to us and we, we sort of lift them up. Um, and and I, guess, I guess in a way we, we, the world judges based on ability. You know, if you have something to offer me, then um, you're worth having around. And, um, and so I guess we're encouraged to, to raise our profile amongst people. 
Um, and this is what Jesus said of people who were doing that um, back in his day. This is Matthew 23. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in Moses' chair of authority as teachers of the law. So practice and observe everything they tell you. But do not do as they do, for they preach things, but do not practice them. The scribes and Pharisees tie up heavy loads that are hard to bear and place them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not lift a finger to make them lighter. They do all their deeds to be seen by men, for they make their phylacteries wide to make them more conspicuous and make their tassels long. They love the place of distinction and honour at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, those on the platform near the scrolls of the law facing the congregation, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplace places and public forums and to have people call them rabbi. You know, I think the Pharisees and the teachers of the law felt the same way that they needed to have something offer to offer people uh, in order to feel like they were someone of worth. Um, and I think there's something in me that can relate to that because there's something that just doesn't want to be the needy one. Do you know what I mean? There's the one that doesn't want to say, yeah, I, I'm in need because I feel like that says something about me in this world that I, if I don't have, if I'm needy, I'm the opposite of having something to offer and therefore my value is judged to be lower than those around me. Um, but I think, you know, that's, that's where religious pride really comes in and that's what we're talking about today, this idea of religious pride um, where we believe that, um, you know, we can earn something, where we can earn love, where we can earn goodness, where we can uh, earn righteousness. Um, but our acts come up short. And I guess... I guess in amongst it, you know, like um, I, I was in the car with Curtis uh, just yesterday and um, he showed me the run sheet for church and it had that song, um, Great Are You Lord. And I had uh, been praying about, you know, what to share this afternoon. Yes, this afternoon. And um, I, felt like, I felt like that song came to mind and I thought, oh man, that just fits so well. And Curtis sort of put it on the back of you know, me coming up here to, to share, but, um, and that happened, that happens a lot, that happens a lot, so I thank you for, you know, um, for praying into what you, what you bring, but um, I think the part about that song that grabs me on this topic is that um, it's his breath in our lungs even, you know, like we feel like um, in this world that sends us messages that, that says, you know, you need to bring something of value in order to be someone of value, and, and then, I, then I look at um, a line like that that is just speaking truth. You know, like, even the breath in my lungs is not my own. Like, everything is his. Like, how could I bring anything of worth to God? How could I prove myself to him? In no way can I bring something of value to him. In this relationship, it's my role to come to him and receive. Um, and I love reading scripture that, that elevates God because it... it it puts him in his position in, and, <clears throat> and excuse me, me in my position. So this is uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. It says, He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible repre representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, ru dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him, that is, by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Georgie actually knows about this one, my four-year-old. She's like, Jesus is in everything, because that's what we've 
taught him like, yeah, he's in everything. All things hold together through him. Just to, just to imagine that, um, you know, our God who is so great that was before all things, that all things hold together through him. All things were created for him and through him. And then to think about my religious acts to in some way seemingly be able to work my way towards some sort of value or have some sort of offering, you know, to a God of that magnitude and that power just makes it seem silly. just makes my my day-to-day acts of um, religious adherence and striving just seem silly. But still, we live in this world that says, you know, if you have something, um, if you have something to offer, then you're of value. And I think, you know, like, this is something that's played out over many years for me. I think um, this has been a sticking point for me historically, if I'm honest. That's why I think it's ironic that I'm, you know, here talking to you, uh, you know, about this first week. And that's that's probably why my um, my tension around it's all about relationship because I, I feel like it's been a long road. But, but also I feel like it's an area that I've learned more than others because of that. I've had a lot to learn. And I felt like years ago, um, well, I, I really feel like um, four years God has, um, I, think, I think he's been on a bit of a rescue mission. You know, I think he's seen me carry heavy burdens, um, you know, that believing this message that the, the world has put on me. You know, that, that Bible verse talks about the Pharisees putting heavy burdens on the people. And I think I've, I've agreed with those and heaped them on myself and I've lived that way. Um, years ago when I... Um, was doing something different with my life. I closed down a business and came to work with some good people who now own this place. Um, I was praying and asking God, you know, what it was about. And yeah, we were about to have kids and life was changing. And so, you know, I was really um, looking towards the future, curiously wondering what was going to be happening in my life. And um, I felt like God said that he was preparing my heart to serve. And um, I, I remember vividly, even like I remember him saying that and I remember my response was, oh yeah, because I have something to offer, you know, I have something to give, like people are going to receive something, you know, from me. But I think ever since that point, he's really been preparing my heart to serve by challenging my ability to have humility to receive. Um, and so I feel, feel like in, in my story, God has sort of called me away from things that I could look to to gauge my value or my success in my own ability to to do them well. And um, he's actually probably led led me and Mel into positions of need uh, where we've, you know, really needed to rely on him to receive. And um, I'm, I've even shared, you know, um, there, there were some big ones, you know, financially we were not looking good um, because of some poor decisions and then a check, check of $20,000 turned up in the mail and absolutely saved us, saved our skin. Like we, we needed that money. Like, and, and it's embarrassing that we got ourselves into that position really, but, but we, were, um, we were just so grateful. We were just so blessed by that. And, um, you know, there was another big one. We got into a, a business that got into a lot of debt and um, we got forgiven a, a big loan. And we needed, there was no way out. Like Curtis is shaking his head. Like we, we were in it together. Like there was no way out. Like we just, you know, we, we just went deeper and deeper, you know, and continued to dig a hole and until, you know, that, that hole seemed insurmountable. And, and we, just, we just really needed that blessing and, and we received it. Um, 
but still even to this day uh like i had an experience we, we moved into a house um that we were really excited had a backyard because we you know have the two kids and um previously we didn't have a backyard and so the plan has always been to get a backyard with some grass that they could run around on but the guy who lived in the house previously he, he actually was quite sick he had a heart condition and couldn't do maintenance around the place and so he covered all of the backyard and front yard areas with either mulch or crushed rock and so I have dug up our backyard and dug about probably 100 mil of soil maybe more 120 140 mil of crushed rock first and then soil in two different loads with me a shovel and a wheelbarrow and dumped it out on the the front yard area um and it took a while and I had small windows but you know I got it done and I you know I, I got that done and then it wasn't even half there to be honest like it, it was a big job and so we had the the new topsoil delivered that the grass was going to go down on and um it became clear to mel that my plan was to do the opposite you know the the topsoil sitting in the driveway at the front i'm going to get my shovel and my wheelbarrow and i'm going to spend days and days and i'm just going to wheel it into the backyard and on multiple occasions i think three people said to me hey that's not a job that you would do alone why would you do that alone and I was like, yeah, that's true. You know, even now, even after all of these experiences, there's something in me that says, I'll just go it alone. I'll do that. You know, I won't, I won't hassle anyone else. I won't bother anyone else because I want to be the one that brings something to a relationship, not asks for something. Anyway, that's silly because, you know, I had some, some good help come around and do you know how long it took to bring the soil in? It's probably an hour and a half. There were four of us and, you know, we, the, they were motivated more than me. You know, like Curtis was it? Curtis... <laughs> Uh, uh, like we wanted to stop and you know um, enjoy our, all of our kids were there our wives were there we were sitting out on the deck looking at our good work and Curtis wanted to pick up a shovel and dig out the garden beds so I'm just really grateful like obviously obviously no one took offense to the fact that I asked them to come and help me so I don't know what my problem was but I really appreciated the help and I really appreciated the blessing I'm learning to receive and I'm learning um, to understand that it's better because if we do it in relationship <coughs> excuse me um, I'm talking about you a lot today. Curtis came around um, the other night. Mel and I had booked, Mel had booked some tickets for us to go out and see live music, which we don't do often. Um, but this person who uh, has got semi-famous, he's got a few songs on the radio, was coming to down the peninsula and we, we wanted to go see him. So Curtis came around and um, first of all, he sang the kids to sleep, which was pretty cool. They love Uncle Curtis. Um, and then, unbeknownst to us, uh, Curtis, he sent me a text. Oh, I've just wired you 40 bucks, you know, like, hope this helps. <laughs> just going to collect myself for a moment. It's silly. It's 40 bucks, but no, it just meant a lot. He said, I hope this, you know, helps you have a good night out. And then um, we, go, we got home and Curtis had a shovel, like his own shovel that he'd bought from home, and he got to the garden beds <laughs> in as much light that would allow him to. He'd sung our kids to bed and then got straight out into the garden to continue the work that we'd all started together. It's just another practical thing. It's just, um, yeah, we're in it together and I appreciate that. Um, 
Ooh. Brad, before he left, turned to me and said, do you want to drive my car while I'm away? <laughs> it's just another thing. Like maybe they're all silly little things, but I always wanted a Subaru. <laughs> like, and when I wanted them, they weren't that nice. But I got to, I've been driving a nice one around, you know, and it's, um, it's just been so great to receive. And then um, Mel, Mel has said for a while, you know, like our cars that we are driving are getting older. And she said, they don't really suit our family because last time we tried to go somewhere as a family and take things to stay somewhere, we couldn't actually take the pram, which is a bit silly when you've got two young kids and you want to walk around. And so she was seeing that it didn't make sense. And um, anyway, Warney, who you guys probably know, um, was leaving and he had a car that was a similar age, but it, it had a boot, like it had a reasonable, a reasonable boot. And so um, when someone mentioned his car, my ears pricked up and I was like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we need to find a way to, to do this. And, um, uh, yeah, I said, I told Warney, I said, oh, we might be interested in your car. Like, but it became, it became apparent that, you know, with, with what he'd be selling his car for and the work that I'd have to do on mine to get it up to scratch in order to sell the car, there wasn't going to be enough. There was going to be too much of a gap. And so I told Warney, I said, oh, look, I'd crunch the numbers and it's actually not going to work out. Um, you know, but thanks for, for entertaining the idea. And we sort of let that go. And then um, this was on the back of, uh, we, we, you know, um, we, we, we like to give as well. And we, we, you know, give financially to the church and, and we really believe in you guys and we really believe in this place and we really believe in what God's doing in our hearts. But telling Warney that was on the back of um, making a bit of a difficult decision to give something to the church. But um, I... I hadn't tithed for a while. That's my mistake. And so it was a larger amount. And I was looking at the amount uh, and I realised, you know, like if if we had that, we'd probably be okay for a little bit longer and possibly that would have been the gap filler towards the car. And so um, I was looking at the amount and, and because it was a little bit larger, it, it caught me and and I actually had to think on it for a little bit because I felt like it was pretty irresponsible, like with the position that we were in to to, to give an amount you know, that looked like that. And especially when, you know, my family's in need. I think there's a lot of people, even people who are, you know, close to me and understand my lifestyle that would say, hey, James, that's a poor decision. Do you know what I mean? Don't do that. And I slept on it because I was feeling really uncomfortable about it. And I think I went to work the next day and it, you know, hadn't resolved it in my mind, but I knew that it was important because it was probably weighing on me. And I sat down to pray the next, the next day and um, just a weight lifted off when I just remembered that, it's okay to trust him with everything, with my finances, with my resources. I was like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let fear dictate what I do. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna trust him with finance, even if it doesn't make sense. And 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 he starts telling me that this car is actually for me. And I'm like, well, that makes even less sense <laughs> because now I'm, you know, giving this amount, and I don't have what I need for this car. I said. God, if you are going to provide, you know, this car, like I'm going to let you do it because I don't have the means. I'm again in need and I can't, there is nothing within my power that can come up with what this situation requires to fulfill what it is that you're saying. Anyway, I didn't hear from Warney for a little while. It's probably a week later. Um, he texts me, he says, oh, I think I found a way that we can do this. And I was like, okay, well, you... Yeah, you don't know what I'm facing sort of thing, what I can see. 
Anyway, we, we actually were around at Curtis and Carlana's doing our Never Alone and um, get in touch with Warney and I'm in the garage and Curtis walks in and I've started crying <laughs> on the phone to Warney because Warney just told me that um, while he was away, he'd driven up to Sydney in the car. He's, he, while he was away, um, God had started speaking to him about giving us the car, just giving us the car. Man, like, there, were, there was a longer silence than that on the phone call. And, uh, you know, saying thank you sounded silly at the time, but I said thank you. And I found it hard to be the one in need again. But, um, yeah, I feel like the temptation is to continue to carry the burdens of the things. Um, To, to try and promote myself and lift myself up in some way that I could say, hey, I did this, look at what I've achieved, look at what I've got. And then I read, sorry. And then I read a scripture like that and I realised that's not how relationship is supposed to work with Jesus. He said, just come to me. Yeah, don't come to me with all the things that you can do. Don't come to me with the things that you can achieve. He said, just come to me and receive. You receive this living water. And so, um, yeah, I feel like amongst this rescue mission that God has been on to save me from this path of trying so hard religiously to prove that I am someone of value and that I am good, to be able to come to him and say, hey, you know, it's no wonder that you love me that he's tried to show me that I, without him I can do nothing at all. And in fact, there is so much in this world that can get on top of me, that can outmaneuver me, that can find me in a place of hopelessness. And I need him. And that, that scripture says, you know, when we receive that living water, it continually flows. <clears throat> And, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't take responsibility for things in our life. But when we have things in our life that require responsibility, it's not irresponsible to for, follow the voice of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's responsible to bring it to God and say, hey, what do you see? Yeah, and so I think about this idea that um, it's all about relationship and that I have the opportunity to be never alone and... And then the opposite, that I have the opportunity to, in my own self-centred, independent, religious pride, to work hard on my own and carry the burden of things that I just can't bear. And I, I see which is better. And yet the world constantly tells us that we are someone of value if we have something of value to offer. And Jesus says, that's not how it works with me. I'm everything valuable. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, yeah, I guess the challenge for us today is, um, you know, I feel like we're all in this together. We all live in this world, don't we? You know, we all get told the same thing. We all receive this message that you are someone of value if you have something of value to bring and we will lift you up and praise you for it when you do. But I think there are areas of my life that I have learned, you know, in, in areas like finance, that's been one, you know, where I've had to learn that I am not the one that has something to offer in my job, in my relationships, in my work. I can rely on him, but I feel like um, 
what I've realized is that it's quite compartmentalized. I don't know if that's everyone else's experience, but it's like God will just gently show me that, you know, there's this area. Hey, you haven't given this to me. If you gave this to me, I would give you something better. This I know they're silly examples, but um, uh, it was my birthday back in January and uh, um, Mel said, just buy yourself something that you want. And I know some people don't like that, but that's like my favourite kind of present. <laughs> but I didn't. And, you know, it's months later and, and I think, you know, I have, a, I have a history of going without. I remember when I was younger, like if, like I'm a pretty simple guy. If I wanted to save money, I just didn't eat. Even when I was out, it didn't matter. I could skip a couple of meals. Like food was never a thing that I had to do. Like I'll go home and mum will have some food. So I don't care if I don't have breakfast and lunch. It didn't really bother me. You know, like it actually just made sense to me. But um, it was my birthday and I felt like um, I guess God was challenging me to, you know, to celebrate myself, which seems kind of embarrassing. But um, anyway... I saw an email online and there was a pair of shoes that I liked. Actually, I'm wearing them now. And of course, they're on sale because I'm a, you know, hence my background, I'm a bit of a sales shopper. And I said to Ali in the office, I said, I think, I think I'm going to have a bit of trouble going ahead with this purchase. I'm not sure that's exactly what I said, but um, because they, f- they, were, they were for me. Do you know what I mean? And I said, I think I'm going to have to pray about this. And I felt like God was all for buying a pair of shoes that's half price anyway. And I felt like he was just saying he wanted to celebrate me. And I could have missed out on that. I could have missed out on doing so much together. You know, we, we miss out. Like if we decide that it is better to bear the burden of religious practices that prove nothing about us to God, if we decide that's better, we actually miss out. And I don't want to keep missing out. And I don't want you guys to miss out either. You know, I want us to be a group of people that comes to him and receives and is humble enough and puts aside um, self-centered, independent pride to come to him and say, hey, I'm the one that is in need. It's okay to be needy. I think that's what I'm continuing to learn. Yeah. So I'll just, I just want to read that scripture one more time and then I'll finish up. John 7 says, Now on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in and relies on me. As the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. And it it can sound like, I'm not saying only ever receive because that last, that last part says, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. But we are first to receive. You know, I think we jump to that. Oh, I have to have something to offer. You know, I'll pretend that I have these rivers of living water because that's what the word says. It's like, no, the first part, don't forget the first part. Just come to him, just receive. So anyway. I hope that challenges you in some way. I hope you can consider some part of your life. Maybe there's a compartment that you feel like you've been carrying. Maybe that God just, he just wants to, to bear that burden. He doesn't want you to bear that burden. Let's have a chat. That's what we're doing next, isn't it? Yeah, yeah let's have a chat. We've got two sides of the rooms here. Um, yeah, just be interesting to hear how this intersects with our lives. Do we, have we had similar experiences? Do we feel like God's bringing something to mind where um, we're trying so hard to be good enough, to be enough? We're receiving the messages of the world that says that we are someone of value if we have something of value to offer. 
you know, is there some area in our life that he would say, just come to me and I'll provide and you'll receive these rivers of living water that can then flow through. Let's have a talk about that. Reset, go. No, thank you, James. I think I find myself there all too often, and I think this story um, just kind of speaks uh, not only to our need, but like my need for help. A couple, like two weeks ago, I just I was feeling so like just chaotic in myself and just a bit all over the place, and just like not knowing where to go or where to turn to or what to do, like how to solve my own problem in a way, and. I um, kind of finished up the service and Keith was just here and we were having a chat and I was like, Keith, would you, would you pray for me? I just need some prayer. And um, like that, that took a level of, you know, vulnerability just in the sense I was saying I need help. Like I don't, know, I don't have all the answers and, I, and it's more than just um, I'm just going to do this with God by myself. But like, hey, would would someone else be here with me in this? Someone who's for me and can partner with me in this. And, you know, we're just, we're praying and just seeing what God was doing. And, um, you know, they got to a point in the conversation, I just felt like drop, uh, God spoke and just said, like, you just need to repent of just holding on to stuff that you're never meant to hold that you're carrying things you were never meant to, to carry. And it's, you know, I just, right there in front of Keith, I just said, God, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've taken this on, that this is something that I thought I needed to do by myself. And, like, not only is it not mine, it's yours, but, like, uh, yeah. And I think that was just such a... It really spoke two things to me in that moment that not only did, you know, praise God, but like there was a resolution like in that moment for what I was experiencing, but to that, like God is just so there and willing to step into my situation. And it just took this act of, God, I need help, you know, just, and just asking someone to be with me in it in the moment and so I think walking away from that it's like oh where you know and, and I'm sure like I'm not the only one who needs help You're just like I just hey pray with me or would, would you take five just to be with me and pray and it's just like I think I feel really encouraged not only for someone who would uh, be with me in that but like I also feel encouraged to be that for others like and I guess I would leave you with those two questions it's like where do you feel stuck that you just need the hands of someone a brother or sister who's with you uh, and where can you be that for someone else as well